Turn with me to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, verse 1. Peter had left the ministry. He said, after Jesus' death, he says, I'm disillusioned. I just want to go back to fishing. So he goes to fishing, and several of the other uh, apostles have gone with him. And he's just disillusioned. But can I tell you something? The Lord Jesus restored Peter. And he sent his spirit, and Peter was used greatly. Saul of Tarsus, after his salvation, had this sense of unworthiness. I'm not worthy to be used. My past is that I persecuted the church of God. My past is that I am the greatest of sinners. I'm the chief of sinners. But God, through his great grace, made him what he was And he sent his spirit and used him and worked in his life. Can I tell you something? I don't care who you are. I don't care what your situation is. The spirit of God can use you. The spirit of God can restore you and lift you up. And and I'm grateful today that God's grace is sufficient for us. Uh, The scripture that we're going to look at today is the aftermath of Peter's preaching to Cornelius and his family, and it's misunderstood by the Jews uh, that are in Jerusalem. Some of the Jews of the circumcision group uh, begin to question, why would Peter go in and eat with uncircumcised and ceremonially unclean Gentiles? Why would he do such a thing? And they began to, to criticize and to oppose him for what he had done. But can I tell you something? God knew exactly what Peter was going to face. And so God uh, prepared in advance uh, so that Peter would have an answer and a response to them. And Peter gives his response, but God doesn't stop there. God also uses some men of Cyrene and of Cyprus, uh, and he uses Barnabas, uh, and he uses Saul uh, through this chapter uh, as, as confirmation of what Peter has done in preaching to the Gentiles, all of these groups are reaching Gentiles for Jesus Christ at the same time, and God puts his stamp of approval on what Peter has done. Peter has come to this, this uh, situation in his life, but it was not a surprise to God. Can I tell you something? Nothing in your life is a, is a surprise to God either. I love what David said. He said, Lord, before I was born, my days were written in your book. God has a plan. And the Holy Spirit of God can carry you through and prepare you for the future that he has and for the ministry that you have for the Lord. And so we need to trust God to sustain us and help us and prepare us for the future so that we can serve him effectively. And the title of my message is Prepared for the Future. I'm not going to read this whole chapter, but I'm going to read a portion of it. I encourage you to read it later, but we are going to refer to some of the verses there at the end as well. Look with me at verse 1. The apostles and the brothers and sisters who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. 
When Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to the uncircumcised men and ate with them. Peter began to explain to them step by step. I was in the town of Joppa praying, and I saw in a trance an object that resembled a large sheet coming down, being lowered by its four corners from heaven. And it came to me, and when I looked closely and considered it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth, the wild beasts, the reptiles, and the birds of the sky. I also heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, I said, for nothing impure or ritually unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a voice from heaven a second time, What God has made clean, you must not call impure. Now this happened three times, and everything was drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to accompany them with no doubts at all. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we went into the man's house. He reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and call for Simon, who is also named Peter. He will speak a message to you by which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came down on them just as on us at the beginning. I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he also gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, how could I possibly hinder God? When they heard this, they became silent and they glorified God, saying, So then, God has given repentance resulting in life, even to the Gentiles. Repentance resulting in life. In life, can I tell you something? If you don't know Jesus Christ today, you can have repentance resulting in life today. Uh, If you will give your heart and life to Jesus Christ and trust his promise to save you as you come to him by his grace. Uh, Praise God for that. All right, so prepared for the future. How are, are we prepared for the future by the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, we may see his prior anticipation his prior anticipation of our circumstance look at verse 2 when Peter went up to Jerusalem the circumcision party criticized him okay he's on the tail end of a revival have you ever been there God has moved he's worked Uh, there's been a great move of the Lord and you're just encouraged and you're refreshed and then you come across somebody who just pours cold water all over it Have you ever had that happen? Well, that's what's happening to Peter. And Peter is being criticized. He's being, the word can be translated, he's being opposed. He's being opposed by this circumcision party. And they have just begun to oppose. They they gave the Apostle Paul all kinds of, of trouble later on. But this opposition comes, and I'm sure it could have been discouraging to Peter But God knew about this opposition in advance. And guess what? He prepared Peter with exactly what he needed to say. He didn't know the problem was coming, but God already had a solution. Did you know that? God's 
has perfect knowledge of all that's going to happen in our lives. Every problem, every trouble, every trial. He knows about it in advance. And he already has a solution. He doesn't wake up and say, oh, I didn't see that one coming. He always knows. And he always has a plan. And so, so Peter has a ready-made story that he can share uh, of what happened. And he, he tells it from his point of view. He says, I had this vision. I saw these, this sheet come down from heaven. Uh, get up and kill and eat, Peter. And I said, no, I've never eaten anything ceremonial unclean. I've never done this. Uh, no, what, what God has called clean, don't you call common, Peter. Three times he sees the vision because that means God's really serious about that, according to Joseph. If you have it repeated, uh, it's an emphasis. And God's saying, look, this is what I am doing. And Peter says, who was I to oppose God? Pretty, pretty good question, isn't it? Who was I to oppose God? Well, then on the other end, Cornelius had the angel come to him. So you've got the angel coming to Cornelius. You've got Peter seeing a vision. You've got the Jewish witnesses who came along with Peter. Uh, and, and he says, hey, I brought these Jewish, Jewish witnesses with me. And they saw that they received the Spirit in exactly the same way we did. And so God, prior to the time, anticipated the need. In the Old Testament, we're told that Elijah uh, was, was told by God when his brook dried up, he was, he's hiding by the brook, and uh, God said, go to Zarephath. There's a widow there that I have commanded to take care of you. And Elijah makes his trek to Zarephath. God knew a famine was coming before it ever came. And he already had a way of provision. Did you know that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills? Did you know that God can provide for his people in famine? Did you know if inflation goes through the roof that God can still take care of his people? Did you know that? God sends Elijah to Zarephath. And at Zarephath, there's a widow there, and God has prepared them to minister to Elijah and Elijah to minister to them. And God blesses both of them through that, through that time, and they are taken care of. God anticipates beforehand the need and already has his provision in place. Praise God, God anticipated our need. 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to an old rugged cross. And he bore my sin and your sin upon himself. He paid the price, took the wrath of God and the justice that I deserve for my sin upon himself. Said, it is finished. And he rose again on the third day in mighty power. And God had a provision before I was even born for the redemption that I would need today. What a God we serve. Hallelujah. So, the Holy Spirit prepares us for the future by his prior anticipation. Sometimes God trains us. You know, I was trained for the ministry without realizing I was being trained for the ministry. I used to tell people I'd never be a preacher. Uh, my daddy was a preacher. Are you going to be a preacher when you grow up? I had people ask me that sometimes. No, I will never be a preacher. Uh, that was my answer. And, um, but I would go out. I love my dad. I would go out with my dad. And we would visit homes, and I saw him lead. I don't know how many people I saw him lead to Christ, and uh, I learned how to, how to do soul winning. 
I, I remember this was kind of shocking to me. I was when I was in a, one of my youth positions. The pastor came to me. He said, "There's somebody in our church who's asking me to tell them how to be saved, and I don't know how to do it." The pastor told me that. I was shocked by that. I didn't. I tried to act like I wasn't shocked, but. Uh, he said, will you go with me? I said, sure. I said, I'd be happy to. And so, so we went, and, and, and God worked in that situation. But God was training me. Before I even knew I was going to be called to preach, God was preparing me for the work that he has. He was anticipating it beforehand. He was training. Listen, God is, is that kind of God. We don't have to worry and to fret about what's coming tomorrow because our God is up to the task. He anticipates it beforehand. So uh, how does the Spirit prepare us for the future? Well, we see His prior anticipation. Secondly, we see His special communication. His special communication. Now, um, sometimes the Spirit will communicate with us in a special way. Uh, for Peter, you find in verse 9, he sees the, the vision with the, the sheet coming down. God communicates, what God has made clean, you must not call impure. And, and Peter connected the dots. He realized God wasn't talking just about the unclean animals. He was talking about the Gentiles. And he put two and two together. Uh, so God has said, you must not call them impure. You must receive them. Uh, and so then he gives a special communication to Cornelius as well. You find that in verse 13. Send to Joppa and call for Simon, who is also named Peter. Uh, then as the Spirit comes, as Peter is preaching, God brings to, to mind a verse uh, of Scripture. It is a verse of Scripture for us today. For Peter, it was a memory of what he had heard Jesus say. Uh, verse 16, he says, I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you, and the you in Greek, Greek has singular and plural pronouns, uh, you, plural, will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so Peter's thinking about this while he's observing the falling of the Spirit upon the Gentiles, and he says, Jesus was talking about the Gentile mission as well. That you includes Gentiles. It's a special communication. God had communicated this years before. And Peter remembers what Jesus had said and how Jesus was preparing him for this moment. So it's a special communication. Um, <clears throat> when when uh, I was called to preach, I felt like that was a special communication. I told God, I said, Lord, uh, I'm willing, but I want to be sure that this is you and not me. Would you please make it clear to me? And God did. He, he communicated. He gave me a very clear piece and direction of what I was to do with my life. It was a special communication. Now, I believe that if you know Christ, God's going to communicate to you every day through his word. He's going to communicate to you uh, by the leading of the Holy Spirit at times during the day. Uh, it may be uh, to share uh, Christ with somebody. It might be to speak a word of encouragement. So, so God is active in our lives, and he communicates with us. And I believe the first way he communicates, and the most important, and the one that tr trumps all other communication, is the communication through his word. But sometimes God has special communication. 
And that special communication, in this case, it was a communication that was sorely needed for the church at that time. Uh, They had no clue what God was about and what God was doing, and God needed to let them know. And so God is communicating to different people. He's communicating to Peter. Peter. Uh, He's he's, uh, communicating to Cornelius. Now he's communicating to the Jews as Peter shares that story with them. Uh, So all of this is to prepare the church of God for a new direction the church is going to take. Uh, They needed to understand what was on the heart of God. Sometimes people say, well, how do I know uh, the will of God? Well, first of all, you need to be surrendered to God's will in your life in general before you ask God for the specifics. You need to have a surrendered heart. If you have your mind made up, a lot of people are that way, right? Uh, you, You... Some people come for counseling. They have no intention of doing anything other than what they already intended to do, right? They're coming because they want, whether it's a preacher, whether it's somebody else, they want that person to confirm what they've already made up their minds to do. And if that confirmation doesn't happen, they just ignore that advice and go on to the next person, right? Um, You can't do that with God. God's too smart for that. Uh, you need to have a surrendered heart. Uh, and so, uh, how do you do that? Well, you can ask the Holy Spirit to help you with that. Uh, and uh, he, He's able to do that. But, but then just, just say, Lord, I surrender to you, and I choose to follow you. I give you the blank check of my life. Now, that's a scary thing to do, to say, God, you fill in the blank. But that's where you've got to be if you want to hear from God. God doesn't say, well, you, you know, I'm going to tell you, and then you can decide, you know, decide whether or not you like it. No, he wants a surrendered heart, and then he communicates. Also, let me just say this. Don't you think that an omnipotent, all-powerful God can make his message clear to you? Don't you think that? I mean, I believe that with all my heart. I believe God can make his message clear to us, and um, Sometimes he'll do it in several different ways. Sometimes he may speak through his word. Sometimes there may be a, a leading of the Spirit, and then the Word of God confirms it. Uh, <clears throat> sometimes there may be a friend who, who speaks into your life and, and confirms what God has been moving upon your heart to do. But, uh, but God is able to let, to, to let you know. Uh, you remember Samuel? Samuel, he, he's laying down there in the temple, and he, he hears this voice, Samuel, Samuel. And he thinks Eli is calling him, so he runs in there to Eli. Eli, go back to sleep, Samuel. I didn't call you. You just dreamed it or something. Uh, Samuel, Samuel. He gets up again, runs into Eli. Finally, Eli, after three times, Eli, okay, maybe something's going on here. Uh, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Uh, and so Samuel does, and then God communicates the message that he has for Samuel. See, God can bring people into our lives. He can help us with it. But, but you see, God is able to communicate in a special way to us. I had a, uh, 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 an interview years ago before I came here uh, with a church. And um, I had been praying that God would make it clear to to wherever I was supposed to be, 
that God would make it clear to them. And so um, I had this interview, and what I didn't know, we, we walked into the, uh, the Fish Fry. It was a place, it was a restaurant in town there, which, by the way, if you're ever in Paris, Texas, go there. It's awesome. Uh, but uh, we, we went into the Fish Fry to eat with the committee, and there was a member of the committee that hadn't been able to meet with us, and, and I didn't see any of this. I was told about this after the fact. But this lady saw me, and she backed, she backed up toward the wall, and her face got white. And one of the other people came over and said, said, what's going on? You know, and She had told the committee that she believed that she'd had a dream of who the next pastor was going to be. And when she saw me in the, in the restaurant, it scared her half to death. She said, that's the guy I saw. God made it clear, right? I mean, that was clear. So, I, you know, that, maybe that was for them. I think God could have led them with his spirit, but I think possibly that was also for me because they didn't even tell me that until I'd been at that church for over a year, and they finally told me about that. But I think I needed that encouragement because that was a hard church to pastor. And, uh, and it's like God was saying, okay, Roger, I did send you here. You didn't mishear me. Uh, this is what I intended for you, and this is what I planned. And so uh, God gave a special communication there. So, uh, so uh, by the way, let me tell you this. We don't demand special communication from God. God gives special communication when he decides to give it. Okay? Uh, uh, sometimes I hear people on television who act as though God is their lackey and they tell him whatever they want him to do, and God's got to do it. God is the Almighty. He doesn't, he's not beholden to any human being. He does what he chooses to do in his wisdom and his power, and we're the servants, and he's the Lord. And so he speaks as he sees it's necessary for him to speak. All right, so uh, prepared for the future. How? We may see his prior anticipation. We may see his special communication. Thirdly, we may see his manifest presence. I, I love this. This is one of, the, one of my favorites. Look at verse 15. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came down on them just as on us at the beginning. The Spirit of God just rushed into that place, and they just felt the presence of God in such a real and powerful way. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Um, if you've experienced that in your personal quiet time, if you've experienced that uh, in an assembly of believers, you are greatly blessed. That is a wonderful blessing of God. And uh, it is also one way he prepares us for the future. How does the manifest presence of God prepare us for the future? It, it comforts us in difficulty, right? Have you ever gone through a difficult time and a difficult season in your life? And how do I get through to the other side and, and sometimes it's just the manifest presence of God. The prayers that you're offering are going unanswered, at least as far as you know. Uh, you're not seeing any change in the situation. And, and all that brings you through is the comfort and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your heart that assures you that God is still with you. That's one of the most precious blessings that God gives is His manifest presence. Um, he prepares us for the future. I, I think about the worship that took place in Jehoshaphat's day. Prepare them for battle. 
uh, they put the singers out in front. I always kept, was kind of, I used to be a music major, so I can laugh at this. I always thought it was funny that they put the musicians in front in the battle because uh, usually the, the musicians were the last people I would have put in front. But uh, they're, they're singing, they're praising God, and the power of God falls, and they win a great victory. It's the manifest presence of God prepared them, and then God worked on their behalf and moved in the situation. So, uh, prepared for the future. How are we prepared? We may see his prior anticipation. We may see his special communication. Thirdly, we may see his manifest presence. Fourthly, we may see his human confirmation. His human confirmation. Uh, if you look in verse 17, who of uh, the people of the early church would have been someone who was a significant leader for the people to follow? It would have been Peter, right? I mean, Saul of Tarsus is just now beginning to come onto the scene uh, and, and become a servant of God. Peter was the main leader early on in the early church. And he, he gives a testimony. He says, how could I possibly hinder God? This is what God wants to do. He wants to reach the Gentiles. How could I hinder that? But he doesn't stop with Peter. Another great uh, individual and leader in the early church was Barnabas, right? Uh, Barnabas comes, and uh, we, we read that uh, Barnabas in verse 22 Traveled to Antioch, he arrived, verse 23, saw the grace of God. He was glad. He didn't say, why are these Gentiles getting saved? What? This is supposed to be for Jews. No, he was glad. He, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. Um, and uh, it, it says, uh, then he went to Tarsus to search for Saul, verse 25 and 26. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So you've got Peter, you've got Barnabas, you've got Saul, but that's, that's not all. Look at verse 20. There were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks, or to the Gentiles is what that means. To the Gentiles also, proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. So you've got these men of Cyprus and Cyrene who are also confirming this is what God is doing. It's a human confirmation of what God is doing. See, God didn't make it a mystery to them. God didn't just tell Peter. He told Peter. He told Barnabas. He told the men of Cyprus and Cyrene who were scattered from Jerusalem. Uh, and and uh, all of these people are being saved. These Gentiles are being saved. And lives are being changed. And all it's a, literally a who's who of the early church is confirming that this is what God is doing. And so God is able to show the church, the early church, very clearly the path and the direction that he wants them to take. To the Jew first, but also to the Gentile. And uh, this, this is, is the method he, he wanted them to use. So he prepared them through human Confirmation. I, I can remember this when I was uh, uh, I surrendered to to preach. My parents told me, "Well, we're not surprised. They were not the least bit shocked that I surrendered to preach." Other people in the church were not the least bit surprised that I. Sur Everybody seemed to know that I was supposed to be a preacher, but me. And God had to tell me and kind of kind of make it very clear to me. And so uh, 
there was human confirmation. I remember hearing a story, Chuck Swindoll was talking about this guy in his, in his sermon class that did preach. He said, he said, well, I just feel called to, to, uh, to, to preach. And, and uh, one of the other sermon, sermon students said, well, we don't feel called to listen. <laughs> you know, he, he didn't really see that evidence. And uh, sometimes uh, the, the lack of human confirmation might tell you something. But uh, God did give human confirmation here. Uh, this is not necessarily always what God does, but sometimes it is. And sometimes, I think God in his mercy knows when we're struggling and we need some extra confirmation. This was such a radical departure from what they were used to. They needed some real confirmation here. Um, I think about Gideon. You remember Gideon? Gideon is one of my favorite stories in the book of Judges. Um, and, and Gideon is hiding in a wine press uh, from the Midianites when the angel of God comes to him and uh, he says, rise up, you mighty man of valor. Is what, what, me? Uh, I'm, hiding, I'm hiding from the Midianites. And uh, God has appointed Gideon to use just 300 men to defeat this vast Midianite army. And Gideon is struggling. He's like, Lord, can you give me some, give me some encouragement? Give me some direction? And God, God is confirming these things. Now, I realize we're supposed to follow the leadership of the Spirit and to follow the Word of God. Um, and uh, there shouldn't be a debate about that. But I think God in His mercy knows when we're struggling, and sometimes He'll provide confirmation. But uh, finally, He's provided several confirmations for Gideon. But Gideon goes down, and God sends him down to the Midianite camp at night, and he overhears these two guys talking in the tent. And one of them's had a dream about this, this boulder that came and destroyed everything. And uh, the other one says, well, this is nothing less than Gideon, the son of Joash. God has delivered the whole Midianite army into his hands. So God uses the Midianites to assure Gideon of what he was going to do and what God had for him and his plan. This is the God that we serve. So that's his human confirmation. So how does God prepare us for the future? We may see his prior anticipation, his special communication, his manifest presence, his human confirmation, his empowered effectiveness. His empowered effectiveness. Now, these men from Cyprus and Cyrene that I've mentioned, look at verse 21, you see what God was doing. The Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. This is his empowered effectiveness. God often prepares us for his future that he has for us by giving us success as we serve him. Um, my uh, first church that I served uh, as a music and youth director, uh, I had just come out of a desert experience for about three years. I mean, spiritual desert. And I just had, I just felt like I wasn't in a good spiritual place. I felt like I wasn't ready to serve God in, in this way, but uh, I had been invited to come and, and talk with this, this uh, committee, and, and so I did. And uh, they, they were very sure that, that God had called me there. And, of course, I had to talk to God about that, too. Uh, but I, I remember just telling God, Lord, I, just, I don't feel prepared. I, I just barely... Uh, I barely repented from my, from my three-year desert experience when I was angry with you. 
and now you're calling me to serve. I don't feel like I'm even in a place to do that. And, and I just felt like the Spirit of God was saying, this is what I want you to do. And so uh, I remember we, got, we, got to, we prepared that first youth service. Uh, and uh, I had asked the teenagers to do uh, some skits and some things like that, you know, to go along with what I was going to teach them, and uh, they didn't show up. And so uh, the, at least the ones that were uh, doing the skit didn't show up. And, uh, and then some others who were, were going to have to do other things didn't show up. And then I had this block of time. I thought, well, okay, this is interesting. So I decided to give my testimony. I just felt led to give my testimony and to share the gospel. And there were two young men sitting close to the front uh, who stayed behind to talk to me afterwards. And they gave their hearts to Christ. And I was excited. I, I went and I, I talked to the pastor. And he said, you know, we have been praying for those young men for nearly a year for their salvation. That sparked uh, a series of people in that church that were saved. We had 18 people within probably about six weeks who were saved in that church. Um, and God just brought a little, little season of, of uh, revival, so to speak. And, uh, and, and I needed that. I needed that because I, had, I, I felt like I just was not in the place. And God knew what I needed. And he says, hey, I'm going to show you that I'm blessing you. And I'm going to show others that I'm blessing you by letting them see and letting you see the fruit for your ministry. Isn't that a wonderful thing that God does for us? He prepared me for the future by saying, hey, yeah, I know you don't feel worthy, but you're not, right? But guess what? I use unworthy servants. I use people who are weak. And I show my strength through them. So these unnamed men from Cyprus and Cyrene, we'll never know until we get to heaven, I guess, who these men were, but they won a great number of people to Christ. God gave them an empowered effectiveness. Why? To confirm what he was doing. This is my will. This is my plan. I, I want the Gentiles to be saved. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? This is what God does to prepare us for the future. So we see his prior anticipation, his special communication, his manifest presence, his human confirmation, and his empowered effectiveness. Um, God even prepared, he used these very Gentiles to bless the Israelites uh, as Agabus predicts the famine and they take up uh, money to bring relief to the people of Jerusalem. God is working in preparing them for the future. Listen, there's nothing that in our future that God can't prepare us for. You know, you worry about your kids, don't you? Those of you who are parents, you, you worry, okay, uh, what's going to happen at this point in my kid's life? And, 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 you know, uh, and I encourage you, make prayer lists about that stuff, okay? Put it, put it on a list and then take it to God in prayer, um, we have seen God answer so many prayers for our kids. And uh, it's amazing what he has done. And, uh, but as you look at the future, we don't have to be worried about the future. God's already there. He already has a plan. 
Peter enters this new season of time, and there's opposition, but God has prepared him in advance, and God paves the way for that future ministry he's to have. And God prepares the church, yes, the church, for the ministry he has as well. Uh, Aren't you glad we serve a God who can do that? He can prepare us and provide for us. What a God we serve. And that greatest provision, of course, is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for providing what we need and, and for preparing us for the future that you have for us. And Father, thank you for the hope that there is in Jesus Christ, who's risen from the dead. Thank you, Lord, for the encouragement that we have, knowing that you love us, God. You have our hairs numbered, and you uh, have our days written in your book. And uh, Lord, you have a plan for us, and we thank you for that. Thank you that we can bring our burdens and our concerns to you, God, and that you uh, love us and, are, and, and love to answer those requests and that you minister to us in the meantime. Father, help us be surrendered to you. Help us align ourselves with your purposes and your will for our lives and, and, uh, and to fulfill every good purpose you have for us. And God, for those who are here today that don't know Jesus Christ, I pray that today would be the day. They'd say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. And I receive the gift of eternal life that Jesus purchased for me at the cross. And I trust you to save me in accordance with your promise. Lord, help them do that today. And uh, Father, uh, have your way in this church right now, I pray in Jesus' name.